Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is tea time, and that's right. We are here for the second tea time today. We had one this morning, a really incredible show this morning with Tara Lynn Towns from the United States. And we're still in the United States tonight, this evening, with Diane Floyd Boyne, who is going to be talking about humanitarian work, children's books, all of that good stuff. We're going to have a really playful evening. We're running a little late by two minutes. I'm sorry for anybody who was waiting for us to start, but we were in the back room and we were just having a good old time talking about good stuff. So, you know, it's going to be a good tea time when Miss Liz is like, oops, got to go. <laughs> so we're going to do the disclaimer and we're going to do the bio and then I'm going to get Diane in here so we can sit and have a good, incredible tea and find out what her TEA is tonight on Tea Time with Miss Liz. So the disclaimer for Miss Liz's Tea Time live show. Miss Liz myself is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time show hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forth dialogue and opinions that are not representative of my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the giving time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussions for some where they may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that this show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about the disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in tonight's show in any aspect, I welcome you, Miss Liz. Should you decide that you sh this show is not made for you at this time, I respect that and I will see you at a later show at a later date. And we are getting close to the end of the year, so there's only a couple more shows and then we have big, huge reunion time. So now a little bit of the intro on the bio of this incredible lady that is coming to the table tonight. So Diane Floyd Boyne is a former classroom teacher and award-winning international author. Diane writes children's books and young adult historical fiction books. Diane's books are designed to inspire her readers to be kind, love themselves, and wishing for peace and to embrace imagination. Tonight we're going to talk a lot about imagination. You can find all of her books on Amazon, Diane's Story Garden YouTube channel, gives children the opportunity to hear different children's authors read their stories as well as Diane reads her own stories. Diane does, does speaking engagements, book signings, as well as author visitations. Her creative flair encompasses the performing arts and performing in musical theater productions in Dubai, produced by the popular production out of the UK. In addition, Diane enjoys making guest appearances on various live streaming shows. Diane is the co-host with Dr. Jacqueline on her USA Global TV and Radio. Diane continues to be involved in various humanitarian projects and multiple organizations. Diane was born to parents of George and Marble Floyd, Mabel Floyd in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but grew up in Texas where, with her five brothers. She has traveled extensively to many parts of the world and has lived in the Philippines and Dubai. So we'll, we're going to talk about that a little bit during the show, but we're going to get Diane in here so we can meet this incredible lady who writes these incredible children's books. Welcome, Diane. <laughs> we're playing yo-yo here. I think that little kids want to play, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, where'd you go? Here she goes, in and out. <laughs> so welcome, Diane. It is an honor to have you tonight on the show. So I want to get into your story 
And then we're going to get into the books and we're going to get into all of the, where you've lived and all that good stuff and imagination like we were doing in the back, back room. So Diane, tell us a little bit about you as a child growing up and what got you into writing children's books? Sure. Um, how long is the tea time again? <laughs> <laughs> we have, we could stay all night when it comes to topics like this. <laughs> Well, uh, my mom and daddy uh, got us to Texas, as they say, as fast as they could. And I was very blessed to have five brothers. And I'm the only girl. And so I'm right in the middle. And it's pretty exciting to be in the middle because I had two older brothers who were very protective and three younger brothers. One, my playmate, Mikey. I should call him Michael now, I guess. <laughs> but when I think about us as little kids, he was Mikey. And then um, my two uh, baby brothers, obviously, they were my baby dolls. And so learned how to be become a good mommy <laughs> by having two baby brothers. It was um, fun times growing up in the 60s because everybody had large families. So you were never bored, um, especially on the street I lived on. Um, if you ever saw that TV show, The Wonder Years, did you ever see that? It was a fun TV show. If you haven't, I highly recommend uh, looking at it. But I would be telling my kids, uh, that's my life. That's my life. You know, this was like you get on your bike and you just ride down the street, you know, <laughs> and uh, and you play with all your friends. And so it was a magical time. And Aberdeen Street, I think. Nobody had less than five kids, so you can imagine how much fun that was, right? So, anyway, well, we, we 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 don't have big families like we used to, right? Uh, we had like aunts and uncles, eight to ten aunts and uncles coming for family dinner, and now it's maybe one or two aunts and uncles coming. Yeah. So that's changed a lot too. That has it. I mean, there's pros and cons, but for me personally, I mean, I really wanted a large family and. I'm blessed that I have three healthy children, but um, my daddy was number eight out of nine. Uh, Mama, uh, it was just she and her sister. But you know, it's 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 just fun. I know it's hard on the parents figuring out how to get the clothes and all that stuff, but at the same time, you're you know you learn how to share, you learn how to cooperate. There's a lot of positive things that come from um, having a large family, you actually get prepared more for life when you're with a large family, right? So you don't right. get anything you want. Well, you're not so alone, right? When there's a large family. Yeah, you, you, you could always blame it on the sibling too, if you did something, right? That's true. And it's <laughs> one sibling's mad at you. You have another one that'll still play with you. So that's about it. Um, let's see, you also asked, how did I get into writing? Um, you know, I never thought I'd ever be an author, actually. I was always a storyteller, and my brothers would get really mad, and my nickname growing up was Motormouth when I was little because they say, she ever going to shut up, you know, because <laughs> I'd be like, I could just come up with a story like that. But my storytelling was more into with singing and being on stage. And then um, when I became a classroom educator, I was always telling stories no matter what grade I was teaching. And then one day I was out in the garden because I enjoy gardening. Um, not that I'm great at it. I just like playing in the mud like when I was a kid. And um, anyway, uh, um, it came to me that I needed to start putting my stories down on paper. And I thought, mm, you know, that's a really good idea. Thank you, angels. And uh, So I started doing it and it took a long time to get published but um, everything happens when it's supposed to. And before I knew it, I was published and it was so exciting. And, and um, you know, it's just like with singing. You start off, you're not that great, but you just practice and you practice. And pretty soon, you know, you have a singing voice and writing's the same way. It's a craft and you just have to practice and practice. So I like to think that with each new book, they just get better and better with the inspiration that comes. So what age were you, Diane, when you wrote your first child's book? My first children's book? Um, well, again, the stories I've been saying since I was little, but the first one that I actually got published was about maybe 
maybe about 18 years <laughs> ago. So, yeah. So fairly recently, right? I have a lot of chapters in life, you know, teaching, motherhood, et cetera. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of life is that I don't believe people should say, oh, I'm 60, so I'm retired and I'm old. And I'm like, no, 60. Oh, my gosh, you're a baby. And look at all those chapters of life you have and the wisdom that you get to share with us. And what was your dreams to do uh, when you were younger? Because now maybe you can make some of those dreams come true. And uh, so I say, even if you're 90, go after some of your dreams. Well, we have a comment here. Some of the comments don't come into the into the studio, but we have a comment here. And they said, 60? That means you're six. <laughs> you know what? That is so funny. That person must know me because I totally believe in that. Because I remember uh, when I turned 50, People were like, oh, my gosh, you're over the hill. And I'm like, yes. And the beauty of the other side of the hill is going to be incredible. <laughs> and um, and so then I started saying, OK, your wis grandma, my grandma, she always said wisdom starts coming at around 50. And then it just gets you get smarter and smarter because you've lived through things and you know how to stop and think before you just rush to judgment or decide to do something. And um, so I like to think. When you're 60, you're just one year old because you have what ten you have one year of wisdom coming in over those 10. And when you're 70, you're two years old because you have 20 years of wisdom coming in. So um, I plan on living to 300, God willing, and the creek don't rise. <laughs> I love it. it down south anyway. <laughs> We have a bunch of comments coming in that says, oh, my goodness, she has such a playful child childhood heart here. Oh. Um, <laughs> loving the story so far. Keep going. Okay. Um, we have a lot of, we're on multiple platforms, so we have a lot that are coming in. And there are some issues with StreamYard, so you might not see some of the comments, but I have this open, that open, that open. So I'm looking, and we, so we got some people that are following us from Twitter and twitch and all that tonight that so. Was so awesome thank you everybody <laughs> so thank you for tuning in because it's really an honor to have you guys here and it's nice to see that you guys are seeing the playful side of diane because diane is a playful heart we were talking in the background and we were just having a good old time about our <laughs> imagination and all of that growing up right mm -hmm. and i want to get into tonight uh, i noticed when i did some uh, background check on you diane about your peace song so i want yeah <laughs> do a big investigation on all my guests here um so you had created this peace song so i would like to talk about that a little bit sure sure so um i wrote this book called charlie and the tire swing and how it began and um charlie <laughs> um, i got so excited about charlie but also the peace book. Now I have to stop and go. Oh, there's so many stories. <laughs> we need peace. Um, yeah, peace. <laughs> anyway, it's a song of peace. And um, the little boy is named Tommy. And what I wanted to do was with everything going on the, in the world. And I lived in Dubai for 14 years and did a lot of humanitarian work, as you mentioned earlier. And um the Syrian war broke out, the Yemenis war broke out, and there were so many things going on. And, and you know, when you live overseas, you you get a lot of different perspectives of things. And, and you just know that you already knew back home that everybody is beautiful. But when you you live in another country in different cultures, you you really see the power and the beauty of all humans. And I just really wanted peace to happen. So I thought, you know, I realized that it, you know, there's only one way there's peace. And, and, um, and that's, for my personal belief, it, through our Lord. And, um, but I thought what, there's a lot of books written about peace, there's a lot of beautiful songs about peace, you know, let there be peace on earth, etc. So I went to the store and I just started looking at a lot of different books because I wanted to think, how can I write a children's book that would be a little bit different and really get across about the beauty 
of cultures in the world, and I hope I succeeded. So a little boy, Tommy, he wishes for peace, and he's at the park with his mama, and all of a sudden, he jumps off the merry-go-round, and he just starts singing, peace, peace, but, you know, in a little boy's voice, obviously, and, um, and so a neighbor happened to come by, Mrs. Sills, and um, walks with Tommy's mama's permission around the park. And um, he explains how he wishes for peace and why and why he started singing it. And um, he didn't stop singing it. And pretty soon it went viral. And people around the world started saying the word peace over and over, singing the word peace. And so I thought, once I finish the story, and there's a fun little twist at the end that kind of sets it apart from other uh, books, which is what I wanted. And um, so I thought, you know, I'm going to ask some of my friends from various countries if they would sing the word peace or say the word peace, whichever they wanted, in uh, their language. And um and so we just did this little thing that I always thought could become a stronger movement. So I'd like to do that one day. But um, we had, you know, peace in Chinese, peace in Tagalog, which is the Philippines, which where I used to live and in other languages. And um, and so I thought that's beautiful. And um, the whole reason in the book was to wake up the angels and say, oh, man, what's going on? Even the deers are singing peace and happiness, you know, maybe those, maybe those adults actually will start listening to us because <laughs> they kind of gave up on us. <laughs> right. We need to start singing peace and we need to bring peace. And especially during this time and this season, right. We need a peaceful yes. time with yes. the holidays. It is really a stressful time. So that's why we really wanted to bring that out there. So if anybody would like to get a hold of you, Diane, for to do the peace movement, they could reach you through your website, correct? Absolutely. Just dianefloydbame.com. Yeah. Now, you also have a YouTube channel I see here, and it's called the Story, the Story Garden. Garden. So, yes. where does that come from? Okay. Well, welcome to my Story Garden. That's where you are right now. And let me send that this way. You can see that. Well, I guess can't, I don't know why the whole um, sunflower is not showing up. But um, this is where I have probably maybe around 200 children's books in here. And uh, they're children's books from when my parents read to us, as well as books I read in the classroom. I still collect children's books and books I read to my own children. Um, and my husband did too. I better give him some credit. <laughs> so, but yeah, the, the story garden, uh, the purpose is I called it a garden because I want everyone to realize how important it is to have your own library. You don't have to have expensive books. And I know a lot of young people are just really happy with the tablet. But for me personally, I'd like to remind people that when, when you touch a book, and the children touch it and the, and the illustrations are so beautiful. You know, they just want to sometimes just look and touch the book and, and maybe create their own story from looking at that illustration. And that's powerful. And sometimes the tablets don't bring out that conversation that you would normally have with um, a hard copy. So... I always like holding a book when I'm reading a book because I find yeah. that the, the the words on the paper are like magic, right? Yeah, exactly. And it takes you deeper into the story. Yes, the tablets are nice, but I find with the story, you get to turn the page, you get to experience the next page, the next page. On a tablet, all you're doing is just switching the page, but you actually right. get to turn the page, you know, mm -hmm. the physical touch of turning a page and turning to the next chapter. I find that's where the magic is for myself. And for the people that are around me, I always encourage them, buy a book, get a book, have a library. Because I think it is truly important for us to have libraries, you know, yeah. that we can pass on to our children and our grandchildren and that as mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, I was fortunate that our parents um, um, had a library, but mama called it her library. It was just a big bookshelf, but it was still very important. And um, always encouraged us to have our own teeny tiny little 
bookshelf in our room and so forth. And, and um, the other thing I want to say about a tablet, tablets are great. And the funny thing is I uh, helped bring technology when it was brand new into the school. So it's kind of funny that I'm going the opposite way, but um, is that we forget that, you know, our eyes, we blink. We don't even realize how much we blink. But for some reason, according to a lot of eye doctors, when we're in a tablet or like right now when we're on the computer, um, we don't blink as much. And so our eyes can dry out. And so what they're discovering is young children's eyes are actually changing the shape. And that's why younger kids are having to wear glasses so soon because they have the tablet so close to them and they're going like this, you know. So, oh well, that it does, that does make sense too with all the all the different lighting too from the technology, right? Yeah, exactly. You're real young, but when um, I was little growing up, you know, they would say, "Mom and Dad, don't you sit that close to the television? You're going to burn your eyes out." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not that young. I'm 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 two years away from the big five zero. So, oh yeah, you're you're a baby, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a puppy still. <laughs> Yes, turn that around i'm only five right (laughs) so now let's get into charlie the tire swing because that's what i promoted when i did your poster diane so let's talk about let's talk a little bit about charlie charlie is awesome i've had that story in my head for quite a while and i was so excited when the publisher said okay i'm ready for charlie i'm like yay um (laughs) charlie is a really it's an um it's an intergenerational story because you have great grandpa in it grandpa and um and and then so charlie also is inspired because my son when he was little had a tire swing and he would say mama mama come out with me and I come out and watch him swing and then he would just you know push himself off and then he'd twist and turn and then he goes okay I'm going to outer space you know or and then he'd create a story and then another day he might be on the tire swing mommy mommy today I'm Dick Tracy you know and he'd be making up a story and <laughs> and um so you know I got with him and I said you know and I won't say his name but I, I said son um um, I think I want to write some stories based on you. And so we, we started thinking of things. The, um, what makes it intergenerational is that um, my husband grew up with this massive oak tree. And you would sit in the kitchen and you could see this oak tree. So I blended in some inspiration from the family oak tree along with the tire swing. And um, so... Charlie one day asks his uh, grandpa how that tree got so big. And so his uh, grandpa starts talking about his grandpa, which he brings in a great grandpa. And, um, and I think that's real important because I want people to know their family history. And to me, that's the most important history. And, um, and those stories are precious. And I like to think that when people read, Char- read Charlie the Tire Swing, that yes, they get to go on this great imagination, but they also might stop and, you know, the little child might say to them, what was my great grandpa like, you know, and then the dad or mom might have to say, uh, mom, can you tell me about great grandpa? <laughs> Can you tell me some of those stories? Generational stories going. And so I think that would be great. And it's a, a way of opening up about hearing the history of the family as well and the ancestors and all that. So where do I get this imagination from? Where do how come I think of that? You know, where where did I see that? So that's when the questions come in and the children are all already digging in, right? For the info. Right, exactly. And and they might discover, you know, that uh Oh, so great grandpa Jack played the clarinet and I'm playing the clarinet. How about that? Right. So that's kind of cool. Right. Great. Right. And then you get to sit back and say, oh, I got that from my grandpa or I got that from my great grandpa or great grandma, right. you know. And and that makes it special because, our, you know, 
going through middle school is that time that, you know, your body starts changing and everything. And, and you sit there and think, oh, I'm so ugly because so-and-so in school said I was ugly. But if you can, like, if you, I have what's called a root wall and going up the stairs. So we have uh, from great, great grandpas and ma's all the way up to now. And, and I remember moving one of the pictures of my mama and when she was 13 and putting it right there where my daughter sat on the, on the um, stairs. And one day she said, so mama, are you sure that was grandma Mabel? And I go, yeah, honey, that was her. And she was 13. And my mama was beautiful. And, uh, and she looked at her and she turned around, looked in the mirror and she looked back at it. And she goes, I guess I'm going to be okay. <laughs> And that's what we need, right? We need to bring that back to our children and, you know, yeah. let them yeah. express and share these things. Yeah. So what is one of the greatest memories you have as a child with one oh. of your grandparents or great grandparents? Oh, well, I'll tell you about my great grandma, Terrell. <laughs> um, I was very lucky. Mommy had me at 21. So that's how come I could know my great grandma. Uh, great grandpa had died in 1949, so I didn't get to see him, but I know lots of lovely stories about him. Hence, he's in the book, <laughs> the historical fiction book. But um, if I, to, the, to this day, if I close my eyes, I can um, feel my grandma just brushing my hair and just singing Amazing Grace or Rock of Ages. It's just very lightly as she you know, brushed my hair and it's, it's just so gentle. <laughs> Though there was one time that she was brushing my hair and she wanted to put it and I had really long hair, like I could almost sit on it. And uh, I wanted to go be with the boys. And my uncle, or my mama's uncle, so my, uh, I guess you'd say my second uncle. <laughs> anyway, great uncle, that's what it would be right. Um, was going to take all my brothers down to um, downtown Oilton, this teeny tiny town in Oklahoma. And uh, I wanted to go because we were going to get to be in the back of a pickup truck. Back then you didn't have seatbelts. I'm really yep, dating. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Great grandma was like, no, you're going to stay here. Only the boys are going and I'm going to make your hair so pretty. And I'd be like, but great grandma, I really want to go. And she goes, no, you're not going to go. You're going to stay right here with me. And that's what I did. <laughs> and those are the memories that we really have to hold on to, right? Because I think those are also what opens up the inner child in us and wants yes. to play and wants those stories, you know, to be told. Mm -hmm. And that's where we create these characters and these platforms and stuff like that as well, right? Just to open up that history again and open up that imagination. So tonight I had told all the viewers and listeners out there that we we're going to be talking about imagination. So when you hear the word imagination, what comes to mind for you, Diane? Oh my gosh, freedom. <laughs> I, can just, <laughs> I can just let my mind wander. I let my mind wander. And I believe imagination is extremely important. And I feel like sometimes we've taken that away in the classroom because everyone's so focused on tests, which are important but they're yep. not everything and not everybody's a great test taker. I know you say the word test and I almost wet my pants, you know, because <laughs> I'm just like, I didn't study. I didn't do it. It wasn't even that I could study, but just the word test scared me. And um, I would. Um, and so I wasn't a great test taker. It wasn't until college really that um, I had this wonderful, wonderful professor, Dr. Carroll, that taught me how to take a test and eased my mind over the word test, but it's horrible that it had to be all the way going to my junior year of college. Um, but um, imagination, I always believed in just the freedom of kids to give them time to relax and color and write, whatever it is that made them feel comfortable I would try to do that in my classroom, no matter what I was teaching. And sometimes, and mainly I was an um, elementary teacher, and sometimes when I knew the kids were just exhausted from thinking, that I would either have them run in place or I'd just get out, hand them a sheet of paper and just say, 
scribble whatever you want, do whatever you want, just free your mind before we go on. And, uh, and I would get a lot more out of them in the classroom by doing that because they just needed a moment to just re-energize. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Well, and, and my Oma, my great grandma, and, and this is why I do tea time is because she, she gave me my first cup of tea and she told me just to sit, relax, recharge and release. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's those three R's that we sometimes don't take the time to do. And it's exactly what you did with your students is you made them relax themselves and release through scribbling mm -hmm. and writing and coloring and scribbling is fun. It actually, you know, it kind of looks all winky wonky and all that. And then you actually can see like the little circles kind of have like an image or they have some kind of design that you want to color after and make a pattern. Right. You know, they're like a, the quilt of putting all these different pieces together. So scribble is kind of like all the lines squiggling together, right? So <laughs> exactly. And I and I have my own language out there for anybody that doesn't know Miss Liz yet. <laughs> I come up with my own crazy words. Um, but I want to get into tonight, Diane. I want to get into the reason behind why we don't have the imagination in the schools anymore, or in the communities anymore, or in the homes anymore. Why do you feel that the imagination is disappearing? Well, this is a personal opinion. It has no one in the schools. Uh, I'm doing a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're disclaiming everything tonight because we're going into the child I'm not talking about any school districts here. <laughs> um, I think that we're in such a busy world, such a busy world, and we're bombarded with so much. And who is the eyes? Well, it's not just grown-ups. But children are bombarded too. You know, um, for some reason, including myself as a young mom, the one thing I would probably do different is not schedule my kids so much, is that scheduling. Oh, they need to be exposed to ballet. They have to be exposed to soccer. They have, you know, so like you're going, 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 going. And um, instead of saying, okay, what would you really like to try to do this? and pick one thing, right? And especially if you're really young, right? And okay, so you want to try gymnastics? Okay, that'll be your big thing this year. And the rest of the time, you're going to get your homework done, and you're going to have some free time. And it's that free time that kids have so limited of that they just want to veg in front of the TV or their tablet or whatever. And I can relate to that, too, because I'm going, going, going. And, it, and if I hadn't stopped and just said, OK, uh, this particular time, I'm going to try to do my imagination. Now, I don't sit there and just say, OK, only between you know, eight and ten, I write because I'm not that kind of a person. I'm not scheduled. Uh, like I said, I love my freedom, <laughs> but, um, but I think giving kids more, more time and free time and in schools, again, getting back to, oh, they have to do this, this, this to be ready for the test. Oh, oh, oh. And, and schools like, oh, we can only do math, you know, from 10 to 1045, but there, I was taught in a private school, so I was lucky. Um, if I saw that the kids, you know, okay, they've got the concept down, they understand it. So we're not going to do 45 minutes of math. We're going to stop and we're going to have a little bit of free time. Um, and so sometimes I might give them an extra recess. Well, you can't, you can't hardly do that anymore. Um, and, and that's kind of sad because, you know, it's the same thing I was saying about giving them time to just scribble. Yep. Sometimes if it's a, a nice day outside, you need to just let them run and have an extra little recess and get some energy out of them and then bring them back in the classroom and they're ready to go again. So I, I wish we didn't schedule every single moment of their life. Well, it's almost like the Charlie in the tire swing because he had that moment of relaxation, right? And he yeah. could go and be an astronaut and he could be a doctor and he could, you know, he could travel the lands. And everything. for me, I love traveling the tea lands and all the different fairies and all of that. Once in a while, I just like to close my eyes and just imagine myself in a in a place where it's not so busy. And, and I want to thank you, Diane, for saying that, because we are so busy in this world. We're mm -hmm. go, 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 go. And then when it's time to relax, we don't know how to relax. We get, we get angry with ourselves. We get frustrated with ourselves because we don't know what to do with our free time anymore. Isn't that sad? 
And we it feel is. like we need to be plugged in. And um, to all your listeners out there, you know, just take a deep breath. And if you ever thought, like, right, as soon as you said what you did about your fairies and everything, I'm like, oh, my God, you need to write a children's book about that. I want to read it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to tell everybody that every one of us are storytellers. Yes. Because if someone comes up to you and says, how was your day? And you share how your day was. You just told a story. So it might not be a story that you want to get out into the world, but the fact is you are a storyteller. So if you're interested in writing, just, you know, get you a blank sheet of paper and just write for two minutes and the next day, three minutes. And before you know it, you have a story or, or, you know, call one of your loved ones and just talk about, hey, do you remember walking down to the baseball park in the summertime? What were some of your fond memories? And just get start getting stories come back. And then before you know it, you'll come up with a story. Yeah. So I hope And I believe we all have a story in us as well, right? We all have overcome something. We've all gone through something. And we've all found different ways and patterns to get over things. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's writing, whether it's singing, whether it's dancing, you know, we, we, we have that way of, but because we're so busy in this world now, we don't mm-hmm. have time to do that. We don't have time to write. We don't have time to read. We don't have, to, and we do have time. We just have to prioritize our time in different right. ways, right. you know, unless scheduling, like you said, one, one activity, and then you can do your homework and then you can have family time, you can, you know, mm-hmm. and before we get into any of that family time and all that stuff, Diane, I think it's a good time to ask you what your tea is. <laughs> I love that you do that. That's incredible. So my tea is teaching, enrichment, and the arts. Oh, I like it. So do you want to explain a little bit more why you picked those words? Sure. Well, teaching comes to me naturally. Um, I think I told you earlier I was a motor mouth. So I'd be always teaching my friends. Now, if you do it this way, (laughs) you might try it this way and that way, right? Let me tell you, right? Mm -hmm. But um, teaching, because I believe we all have a teacher inside of us. Because if you um, have things you really want people to understand. And so if I can help others think of different ways to share their knowledge so that others understand it, then that's that's exciting to me. Enrichment, because I always, in the classroom, I always brought enrichment to every subject. So for example, if uh, you're teaching mathematics, you might find, say, okay, well, how on earth did someone ever come up with you know the 10 system, right? Or had and so you share about that person or are okay so we have surgery and heart and you're learning you know biology and so forth well then i would share with them do you know who the father of surgery is and then i would share who that person is and they're like wow and so i gave people the reason that it's important to know that subject because I wish somebody would have done that for me. I probably would have enjoyed some other subjects a little bit more had I realized where it was taking me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Instead of just throwing a subject out, you're actually opening the doors of wonder. Oh, this person, you know, it's almost like storytelling, right? We go back to the storytelling again. Exactly. And so in in the books that I write, I like to think of them as enrichment. Your walk, my books, um, I think I was telling you backstage that they're multi-layered. So how a child is going to hear the story, an adult is going to go, oh my God, she's talking to me. (laughs) In the book, A Time to Fly. It's all about a baby bird that doesn't want to leave his nest because he's so happy just being where he is. Why on earth do I need to leave, right? And the mama helps him see that he's outgrown the nest and that you don't have to be afraid to fly. You can do it. And I think that book is for everyone because we've all had moments of, do I really want that job? Do I really think I can do it? I don't know. Can I do it? You know, and then you, you go ahead and you take the job and go, I don't know what the problem was this is so easy right but you don't know right and so I like to think that um my books are in you know they're enriching and um 
that classroom teachers can also take them and do a lot of creative writing of their own with it. In the arts, the arts again, play into imagination. So my tagline is to embrace imagination and arts encompasses imagination, whether it's theater, painting, writing, singing, you know, the arts encompasses everything. And we all have, have some of that in us. We may not have discovered it yet, but you, you can do it. And I always like to say, if you wanted to sing and you think, oh, oh, I can't even carry a tune. I'm like, yes, you can. Because if you just listen to yourself speak, you don't sit there and go, today was a very nice day. No, you're not a robot. Every single sound that you make is a note because singing is just an elongated sound. So you're already singing. You just didn't know it. So, so when I say the word, so do you hear the, do you hear all the different yeah. sounds? Right. So, so right. You're already singing, but you just yeah. need someone to let you know you can do it. Yeah. Well, it's like when I was in school, we learned that do, re, mi, fa, so, la, do, do. And we always did it at different notes, right? Do, do, do. And it kind of gave us a pattern of the the pattern that was playing, right? So the piano would play and then the volumes of the children would sing in a different tone, higher, lower. And it kind of opened up our ears to seeing what we could do with that one word. Very good. Excellent. You did a good job. Do you get that, everybody? Is everybody singing the word peace now? <laughs> We're going to get that peace movement moving this year in 2023 because I really I really feel passionate about peace. Uh, I, I believe that we need a lot more of it. We need the empathy in, in the world. We need to bring humanity back, right? Yes. And I want to touch on now your humanity work because you do a lot of humanity work. And I want people to understand what true humanity work is. I don't want people that just say I am a humanitarian and they don't actually do any changes or step or speak out for, you know. So I want to ask you, what does a humanitarian worker look like to you? Well, there's so many different kinds and and uh, there's no one definition because you do what you can do in the moment of your life right now. So I did a lot of humanitarian work, an awful lot when I was overseas because it was easy to fly from Dubai to Africa. It's a lot easier to do that. It's a lot closer than from uh, America, you know, from Texas all the way to Africa. I mean, it takes a long time just to get to New York, you know. But um, so to me, humanitarian work is helping others. I... um, I even when I was little, I used to get my friends all together and we would before there was brown Santa and all of that. And we would um, collect old toys and we'd clean them all up, get them all ready. And so that and then my parents would help us find the right homes and so forth for kids who didn't have anything. When um, my kids were growing up, we would um, each one got a turkey. Thanksgiving's really huge here in the States. Um, for those listeners that are um, or in another part of the world. And um, and so then my husband and I, we put together everything that would make a Thanksgiving American style, you know, pumpkin to make a pumpkin pie and all that kind of stuff. And um, so each child, half their kids, had their own giant cardboard box of, a, of, a, of what somebody could have for Thanksgiving. And then we would drive to various places and neighborhoods. And then my husband speaks several languages. And um, we would tell everyone to be real quiet at so-and-so's time. And they would be looking around and seeing things. And one thing that's great about where I live is still warm, usually in November. And so people would be out in their front yard or on their porch or something playing. So you could get a kind of feel for things. And um, going to trailer parks and all different types of neighborhoods. And uh, they would, for some, they would say, okay, I think it's supposed to be this house. And then my husband would go and speak Spanish or whichever language was needed. And um, sure enough, they weren't going to, 
I don't know how, by the grace of God, um, that family wasn't going to have a Thanksgiving. And uh, so the kids all learned how to make sure other people had something that they were going to have. I like to think that was a nice thing. And some of my kids are still doing that. So that's kind of nice. And um, the other thing is, so so teaching how to give was very important to me. And then when I was able to uh, volunteer into some of the countries in Africa and um, be at orphanages or schools or so forth, um, when the Syrian war broke out, obviously we couldn't go to Syria, but several of us came together and put together a whole package to figure out how kids in refugee camps could um, still have a little bit of um, fun things, you know, besides warm blankets and a pillow, maybe a jump rope or something. So it would all be different depending on the situation. Um, as you can tell, I've gotten very serious because it's it's very serious and it's it, it's it's tough because you know, mom and dads, they all around the world, everybody's the same in the sense that if they're of sound mind, you know, that they just want, you know, the kids to have a, a warm place to sleep with a roof over their head and, and their tummies filled and just, you know, have love and happiness and sing. And we're, we're, we're all the same like that. Right. And uh, but it, but it doesn't happen. Um, people are always fighting about, you know, can I, I want this land, it should, it was originally ours, and our, I don't like this, these people because they believe this way, and, and it breaks my heart because children are children, and, and I just want them to have a chance to, to enjoy their childhood and not have it disappear, so wherever you are and whatever you're doing, if there's a moment that you see that you truly could help someone to make a difference, even if you just brought them a cup of coffee, um, that's humanitarian work to me. Exactly. Right. It's very simple. It, it's kindness. Mm -hmm. You know, it's simple kindness. You know, if you see someone struggling or you see a child that doesn't have, and you know that you have 10 of these and you say, you know what, I don't need 10 of them. You know, mm -hmm. let me, mm -hmm. let me share nine of them and keep one. You know, mm -hmm. I find that we're losing the meaning behind humanity. Is It's so simple for us to take care of our brothers and sisters globally, not mm -hmm. just in our own home countries and where we live right now, Diane. It's globally we can make a difference. We can impact children's lives by being the examples, by being those role models. And I'm glad that you got serious because it shows that we can play, but we also can get serious, you know. And when it comes to things like this... For me, peace and humanity is strong and deep in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I and I'm like you, we don't see enough of it. Mm -hmm. We don't hear enough of it because we're so busy. That schedule is so busy. So we need to take that time to just slow down and actually just a simple cup of coffee, mm -hmm. a simple doll. If you have 10 Barbies, give those nine Barbies to nine other children. You know, yeah. uh, we we hold so much to materialistic things that we forget that there's a child out there that doesn't even have one. Right. Doesn't even have a blanket. So, right. 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 So, yeah. And, and, you know, you really, you, you don't walk away going, Oh, look at me. I've done this, you know, and beat your chest. Instead you walk away and go, Oh my gosh, that person felt so good that your heart starts to sing because you made that person's heart to sing. Does that make sense? Yeah. But when you're doing simple kindness from the heart, you're not boosting the ego, right? You're not like, well, I just fed 10 people or I just did. Are, are, were you happy that you fed those 10 people or are you just happy that you took the time to, you know? Right. And that's where I get really frustrated with humanitarian work is we're losing the heart of it and we mm -hmm. need the heart back because mm -hmm. our children are watching. The children of the world are watching and we need to bring peace. So we need to really push your, your movement, Diane, and we need to get those kids into the story garden and we need to just start sharing and opening those doors of imagination again and creating a platform and a door for these kids to feel safe that they can come in and say, you know what, I want to play for 10 minutes. I love that. You yes. know, because well, in, get together like you said, 
right? Like you said, 10, 10 minutes a day. If you write 10 minutes a day, then you have a book within a couple of weeks. You right. know, just take 10 minutes for yourself. Just slow down. And that's what I want everyone out there who's listening, the viewers, and who will watch the replays later, you know, and listen in. Just take 10 minutes for yourself. It's a what healthy are, thing to do. I mean, you know, it's a healthy thing to do. Even if you are doing everything right now that you absolutely love doing, which I'm so excited that you are, um, but 10 minutes to rediscover that child in your inside. You're going to even love what you do more. <laughs> so we have a couple questions here for you. I'm not sure why they're not popping in, but we have a couple questions. So the, the, the we have a question from a person on Twitter. Uh, I'm guessing because they're not verifying it's okay for them. So I see Twitter user and they're saying teaching enrichment arts. Your team really speaks to your bio. It really oh. speaks to the things that you've said. So th that's a comment that they left. Thank uh, you. Also, they want to know about your music history. Oh, sure. Um, shall I answer that? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, so, of course, it's going to be a story, you know. <laughs> We're here to tell stories. We're, it's playtime. I am taking 10 minutes. That is it. I am having tea. <laughs> you have your tea. So, uh, when I was in fourth grade, um, we had our um, a talent show. And so I joined a couple of kids, uh, friends, there was about four of us, and um, we did a pantomime of um, the singing at that time. And for those who didn't know, there was the singing nuns from France, and they were very popular. And um, I went to a Catholic school at the time, so the singing nuns made a lot of sense to me. And we sang, Dominique, Nicolique, Solomon, du Simplement. And, uh, but we weren't really singing, we were mouthing. But we got this huge applause, and that's where I got the bug. I was like, oh, my gosh, we just made so many people happy, you know? And I was like, I want to be on stage from now on, right? Because <laughs> I loved bringing that happiness. Um, then I went into public school in fifth grade, and it was the first time I had a teacher tell me I couldn't sing. And um, I was in shock because I'd never heard that before. Is that the school I was at, everybody could sing and everybody was in the choir because there was no choir. Everybody just sang, right? And so, um, but, but she was right, I learned later. But I worked and worked and worked. And finally, she let me be in the choir as long as I would not really utter a sound. <laughs> but I could be on stage. And that's another long story that I won't bore you with. But I worked and worked and practiced so that I wouldn't sing flat anymore. And by sixth grade, I was singing uh, on key. And um, from there, I was always in the choir, always in theater. And I just loved it. I uh, received a um, small vocal scholarship uh, for college and uh, went off to get a degree in music. So I did not finish because my parents ended up, after, can you imagine, after six children and 25 years of marriage, they decided to split just broke my heart. So I quit school and to help my mama. And um, and then I decided that I really would be better as a teacher than, a, a mu than to do music because I didn't really play the piano. And so um, I just kept up my theater and um, would sing on stage whenever I could. And, um, and then as a classroom teacher, brought music into the classroom all the time, constantly. And uh, even though some of the kids, you know, would be in a, the proper choir and so forth, I would have my kids singing because we'd write plays or whatever. So that's how that singing came to be and, and uh, it's still a part of me. And then, you know, I always wanted, before I got married, I wanted to be a professional singer and uh, be in musicals and so forth. And I discovered everything happens in the proper time. And uh, I had to be all the way in Dubai when uh, the popular productions from the UK started putting on musicals. And that was the first time they had musicals in Dubai back then. Now they have, you know, quite a bit. Um, and so 
they brought in all the West End stars. So that'd be like saying the Broadway stars in England, they're called um, West End. And um, I got to, I tried out different musicals, became part of the popular production um, team and um, was in musicals. I was also in the Philippines, one of the first Americans to be on stage with the Philippines at the National um, Theater there and performed in a couple musicals there as well. I feel very, very blessed that I got to do that. So we have one more question and then we're going to wrap up your tea time because we're already almost at an hour. So the oh last question that the last question that came in is, have you created a book with music? Uh, no, um, that's not published yet. But I do have the story written about a little girl who didn't uh, make it in the choir. Hmm, I wonder who that's about. <laughs> <laughs> And that story is to inspire people um, to to sing and to do what it is they really want to do. So, so any final words before we wrap up your tea time tonight, Diane? Well, I, I want to thank you for having me. This has been an absolute delight, and I loved thinking, you know, really thinking about myself and tea. E-A in a different direction. And um, I, I just love what you're doing. It's incredible. To everyone out there, I hope your holidays, no matter how you celebrate it, is filled with love and happiness. And you can reach me at my website, like we said earlier, have a newsletter, it comes out. And I love to hear from people and I love uh, to inspire people. So if you are wishing um, gosh, I've always wanted to write a book, but how? Please feel free to ask me because I feel like I've been blessed. And so it's only right that I turn around and help others. Well, thank you so much, Diane. And it was an honor having you tonight and sharing your tea. I love when when adults play, when they open that imagination and they just be themselves, right? Yes. And just say, you know what? I like to play. I like <laughs> to take that 10 minutes and imagine myself somewhere else so thank you for that message tonight it really was an honor to have you so if anybody would like to get your books diane where could they reach them sure as you mentioned earlier you can find them on amazon you can also go to your local bookstores and they can order it for you and i really uh, support local bookstores so um that's all my books can be ordered from a local bookstore so, but you can, if, it, if Amazon's your thing, you can get it right there too. And I just want to also say the young adult historical fiction is, uh, is based on my grandma's life. There it is right there. And that's her when she was 16. And that's a book that I think can inspire you. So I'll just say real quick, she was born in 1904 and um, she ran away to go to college. Now, how many of us do that? Of course, her daddy eventually paid for it. <laughs> but the whole point is that she wanted it so badly. And women were supposed to marry. A lot of women married at 14. Um, and we can have another tea time where I can tell you all about that. But uh, luckily, her parents were like, no, you need to be educated. So people back then only went to school till they were 16. And grandma wanted to be like her brothers and go to college. So she thought, well, I'm just as smart as then. I'm going to go to college anyway. <laughs> Watch me go. <laughs> so the whole point is when people say, oh, I can't do that. I'm hoping that if a person in 1904 can work so hard to make her dream come true, then I think that we can too. Absolutely. And I love that you say that, that we can. You yeah. know, when we choose, we can. Yeah. So I want, I want to thank you again, Diane, for joining me tonight in Tea Time. And thank you to all the viewers and listeners out there. And thank you for these incredible questions. I truly appreciate all the support. And don't forget, December 22nd, we have two reunion Tea Time shows that will be happening, one in the afternoon and one in the evening. So you will see some of these guests coming back and giving little quick updates and all of that goodies just before Christmas, because why not celebrate all of our thrills and that through to 2022? So we will be joining. Uh, we have two tea times left this year. And we have one update surprise tea time that will be coming that is going to be incredible as well. From Nepal, uh, Dr. Anjay will be joining me with an incredible update since his tea time in season one. 
So he'll be joining me December, uh, December 12th. So watch out for that. That'll be a different tea time. That'll be at nine o'clock Eastern standard time. We also have Jamika Smith joining us with Tina's legacies where she does a posteries of altars and brings them right down to the bare bone and then reposters up, up, up posters them and brings life to them. So it's really a moving empowering uh, story. And then we're closing up 2022 with Freddy Cruz. That's right. So we only have a few tea times left and then we will be bringing some of the guests back from season one, season two and season three. So you all can meet each other and you all can connect. So be sure to check out tea time. And if you'd like to see any of the tea times, check out the YouTube channel, check out the multiple podcast platforms out there, Apple, Google, iTunes, Spotify, you name it. Miss Liz is out there. So you can hear all of these incredible tea times and these incredible guests and again, thank you so much, Diane, for tonight. It was an honor to have you on my platform. Don't leave. We are going to just close up the live, and then we're going to have a little bit more time with our tea time and imagination backstage. Sounds great. Thank you, everybody.